to Menopause Morph, your time to change. We're here to help you thrive through your menopause, bringing you experts in many fields to help you from perimenopause to menopause and beyond to become the strong, vibrant woman nature intended you to be. Hosted by Pauline McCarthy of the Pearls of Pauline. Pearls of wisdom, compassion, and joy. Welcome to Menopause Morph, your time to change. Today we have a really, really exciting, wonderful doctor who I've been following for a couple of years now. His name is Dr. Mesh Seibel, and he is the editor of My Menopause Magazine and the founder of Menopause Breakthrough. So welcome to today's episode. I'm very happy to be here with you, and I hope that we can spread some information that's going to help a lot of women through a very normal transition. Exactly. What I find is that a lot of women are embarrassed to talk about menopause. And you've been in this field now for longer than most women go through their menopause, let's say. I hope so. (laughs) I've been in this for over 30 years. I've taken care of over 10,000 women. And I have heard a lot of women talk about how challenging it is, how embarrassing it is, how impossible it seems that this person who is running a business or running a family or doing everything at such a high level suddenly feels like she's losing her mind, losing her car, losing her sex drive, and losing her youth. All of this going on at once to someone who's perfectly competent person, but going through a transition and no one has put two and two together to say, hey, your body's changing. Just like when you were in puberty, it changed a lot, but it was a good thing. It was a transition. It can be a good thing now, too, if you understand what's going on with you and you take the necessary precautions to stop some of the bad potential side effects and some of the bad things that could happen and turn it into a positive experience. Just take control. That's what women want. They're out of control. Yes. And a lot of women, they think that menopause is for old women. You know, and what would you say would be the average age that women start to experience perimenopausal symptoms? I'm really glad you asked that because this notion of old is just absolutely inaccurate. A lot of women have no clue with the idea that something like one in 10,000 women go through menopause before they're 20. Wow. That's right. One in 1,000 before they're 30. One in 100 before they're 40. And one in 10 before they're 45. So we are talking about 10% of women in menopause before 45. Now, that is a young woman by anybody's criteria. And so the notion of old is just wrong. Now, what happens is there are these enormous transitions of hormones, enormous. You have primarily two hormones that are responsible for most of the women's things that we associate with women. The thing, the two hormones are primarily estrogen and progesterone. And these two hormones prior to the time of puberty are pretty much non-existent. Then suddenly you start to get curvy and you start to get breasts and you start to put fat in the right places and hips develop. And all of that is a result of estrogen and progesterone priming themselves to your body. Your body is being primed to be a woman. And that also is priming your reproductive organs to be capable of carrying a baby. And these synchronized hormones work together beautifully for basically about 25 years, from, you know, 30 years, some window of time. 
And just like they started working in a crazy sort of confused way, they start stopping to work so well in a crazy sort of confused way. And that's going to affect your brain, your heart, your bladder, your vagina, every part of your body, inside and outside, your skin, your dryness of your eyes. There's so many things that could be affected. And it's all primarily hormonal, and it creates some very scary and potentially embarrassing things because no one wants to say, I'm old. No one wants to say, I'm going to be like my mother. I know I'm younger than she was at this age. I know I feel better. I know so many things. I don't want to grow up and be her. You love her, but you don't want to be her. I mean, what I find, a lot of women are asking what symptoms to look out for. And as we mentioned in our talk before we started this show, my biggest symptom had been memory loss. And a lot Mm. of women have no idea that memory loss is one of the symptoms of menopause. So what would you say were like the sort of top 10 symptoms of menopause? Well, there are many. And I'm going to start by saying the good news is that everybody pretty much gets some of them, but nobody gets all of them. So if you listen to this, don't think, oh my God, look what I'm in store for, or look what's in store for me, because that may not be the case. And remember, about a quarter of women will kind of sail through with, you know, a little bit of discomfort and uh, things not quite right, but nothing terrible. So don't be frightened. But to answer your question, a lot of the things that are the common things that women talk about a lot, of course, are the hot flashes. Those are some of the common things. And they start off as a vague kind of warmth, a sense of warmness. But eventually they can get intense burning heat that can last for anywhere from a couple of seconds to up to a minute. They can start at your, at your belly button and just go straight up your body and talk about it like that. And then, of course, they can happen at night. And then you get into what they call night flushes. And the problem there is what one of the second symptoms is, is that being woken up with an intense sweat at night is going to make you wake up a lot of the time. So sleep is impaired and periods get irregular and there gets to be potentially memory issues partially due to the sleep, but also due to the fact that estrogen and the brain are very important for each other. The brain responds to estrogen in a favorable way. And upon its being lowered to a lesser level, that can affect the ability to have the same kind of recall, potentially. It can affect your weight. People notice women will say, boy, I don't know what happened. I can't zip my zipper up anymore. Things are not fitting the same way. My clothes don't look the same. They might be talking about how they've lost their sex drive. Things are just not the same with the mister. It's not working the same. I would rather be shopping than in bed. And on top of it, it started being uncomfortable. It hurts. And I don't want to tell him no because he's going to go somewhere else and get it. So I've got to do something about that. These are very uh-huh. major problems. I talk about this a lot. I have a free ebook for your listeners that they can get at freemenopauseebook.com, freemenopauseebook.com, and it's called Changes During the Change, What to Expect and What You Can Do About It, and it'll outline a lot of these things for you. Yeah. Thank you for that offer. That I'm sure the woman will really appreciate that. What I find is that menopause is like the last taboo. You know, 20 years ago, it was like homosexuality was still in the closet. And it's like now menopause is still in the closet. Women are embarrassed to talk about it. So why do you think women are so embarrassed to talk about it? Even to their husbands, even to their bosses. Like recently, there was a a study in, in the UK about women losing their jobs because of menopausal symptoms. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I can understand. So what do you think is the major reason why women are shy to talk about it? Well, I think it's some of what we talked about. A lot of it has to do with the fear. Number one, there's a belief that, you know, I know I'm so capable and I'm just going to just put my head in the sand and I'm just going to say this menopause thing is going to fly right past me because I know I'm not going to be the one. I'm going to be the exception. So they're hoping they won't be affected. That's one thing. Another reason is the fact that it's just so darn scary. The possibility what they've heard is so scary that they just say, I just, I, I don't want to hear about it. The third reason is because it has been associated with the aging process. You know, what you started off talking about, if I say I'm in menopause, then everyone's going to know I'm old, which I assure you, you are not necessarily. I want to point out that Angelina Jolie, who's considered by many one of the most beautiful women in the world, because of her breast cancer genes, recently had her ovaries removed. She talked about this very openly. And now let's face it, she is in menopause. So you have to change your notion of what is the face of menopause. Who is the face? It isn't your mother's menopause. And women are afraid, embarrassed. And the issue of the workplace, they're even afraid they'll be discriminated against. And let me tell you, this is a real issue that women really haven't begun to really totally appreciate. Employers don't think about this nearly enough. There was a study that came out just in the last year of 500,000 women who were in menopause and they had hot flashes and they worked at Fortune 500 companies so they knew their symptoms and they knew their insurance and they knew what they were being seen for. 250,000 women with hot flashes went were treated and 250,000 women with hot flashes were not treated. So half treated, half not treated. The half that were not treated went to the doctor one and a half million more times in a 12-month period. And it caused so many symptoms that it had an impact on work productivity, attendance, ability to work at peak, absenteeism because women weren't sleeping at night, etc., etc. So with that's what you're looking forward to, and you're afraid to talk about it, and you're not getting all the symptom relief that you need, why would you be happy about it? Yeah. You know, Some, sometimes I give talks to companies and I say that you're willing to give your staff a five minute break for cigarette. So why don't you give your menopausal woman five minutes for a hot flush break? You know, and they went, oh, I never thought about that. And they said, but nobody's ever come and asked us about it. And I said, well, do you think that they would be, you know, do you think it's not everybody that's not embarrassed like me? I just go and see it as, it's, as it is, you know. Yeah. But most well, women would die rather than tell their boss that, of course they would. <laughs> it's a taboo, as you've said. But listen, there's a lot more that could be done in the workplace. I mean, we're, we're talking about general symptoms, but I mean, there's a lot more that can be done for women. There should be more bathrooms. There should be ability to adjust the temperature so they can be cooled down. There should be an ability to work from home if they're having trouble sleeping, flexible hours. There's so many things that can be done in the workplace to help women through this window of time because it will pass. Uh-huh. And can that's you, the, Can you explain to us? You were mentioning there about bathrooms, and I've noticed myself and my friends that are going through menopause that we're going to the toilet a lot, especially through the night. Can you explain mm. the, the medical reason why that happens? 
Well, it's a combination of things. In part, it has to do with the hot flashes and other things that can disturb your sleep. So if you're sleeping lighter and your bladder's a little full, you might go. But also, there are changes in the bladder. Just like the estrogen has an effect on the bladder tissues. Just like it has an effect on the face, and it has an effect on the vaginal tissues. All of those tissues are affected by estrogen. They're sensitive. So what happens is the bladder may begin to uh, drop a little bit. And by that I mean, instead of being a, the, the bladder and the urethra, that little tube where the urine comes out, instead of being at right angles to each other, the bladder drops, and now suddenly the bladder is a funnel with that uh, little urethra, and so it's more easy it takes less urine for it to push, want to come out. There's also the fact of the matter that as the tissues begin to shrink around the urethra, that little tube that comes out where the urine flows out, the pee comes out of that urethra, as the tissues pull back, it also exposes the urethra. So what happens is you've got the urethra, if you can see me, sticking out beyond the tissue, and that makes it more susceptible to get bacteria in it. And that leads to much higher incidence of uh, irritation, inflammation, bladder infections, and so forth. And all of that can typically be helped with local estrogens, for instance. But at least it's one of the many reasons, one of the several reasons that this happens. Yeah. And thank you for that. I had a, an English friend of mine, and um, you can hear from my accent, I'm Scottish. And in Scotland, we're a bit more blasé than many of our flowery, lovely English ladies. And she said to me one time, um, I haven't had sex with my husband for three years. And I said, why not? And she said, because it hurts. And I said, well, why don't you use KY jelly? She went, what is KY jelly? So I went out and bought her this, you know, jelly. I don't know if they, they use it KY in America, but it's just yes. like a, a water lubricant. And I gave it this, and I said, just put this inside and then, you know, then you can have sex. It won't hurt. So a week later, she came back to me and she said, Pauline, you have saved my marriage. <laughs> but a well, lot of women are so embarrassed. And, you know, it's, the, to find this kind of information, it's like many people would just die rather than talk about, oh, it hurts to have sex. So instead, their marriages are suffering. So is there any other advice you could give women apart from use KY jelly? <laughs> well, KY jelly or other lubricants, and there are a number of... Uh of lubricants that are out there. There are two categories of these are like over-the-counter things. There's lubricants and there are moisturizers. So there is one category that tries to keep the tissues moister all the time and there are several available over-the-counter. And then there are lubricants like KY Jelly. Now, in addition to that, you can also use an organic type of vegetable oil, for instance. That's very slippery. It's very organic. It has nothing, nothing in it except, uh, you know, reasonable things that you don't have to worry about. So that's another thing. But if you wanted to go to the hormone route, for instance, then there is a local estrogen. And local estrogen can generally be used because most of it stays local as opposed to getting in your bloodstream. So it's a whole discussion. Estrogen is a whole thing that I talk about in the Menopause Breakthrough Program. And there's so much new material. I actually have a whole book coming out called The Estrogen Window that'll be coming out next year. But topical estrogen, local estrogen can be very effective. Now, in addition, for women that have cancer and are afraid to take estrogen even locally, and many women with cancer of all kinds can still take local estrogen, although a little bit gets in the bloodstream, most women are able to take it. But if they can't or won't, there is a new medicine that is a prescription medicine, but non-estrogen that has been tested. 
That's called osfina. It's a medicine that is a, a selective estrogen. In other words, it's shaped a bit like estrogen, but it isn't that. And so that's one that can be used in the presence of cancer. And then there was another report that came out recently in, in which uh, they are actually using a cotton swab soaked with a 4% lidocaine, which is a topical, like a painkiller, you know, like Novocaine, that, that kind of a thing that actually is put on the, the outside of the, the lips of the vagina, just on the outside outside that where it's really that hurt where it's insertion and it's painful that's a spot where uh, it can be done and left on for a few minutes and uh, that can be useful right immediately before because it, it kind of numbs the area so it doesn't hurt but there are many areas that I talk about and uh, that yeah. are important for women to know about yeah you have this new program it's called better sex better intimacy it's a mm -hmm. audio program. So you have more interesting things like that to tell the ladies. <laughs> I think um, wow. I think personally, I really enjoy sex. So if you're if you're having pain, it's not comfortable at all. And it's it's sad that just a, a thing that can be solved quite easily causes so much disruption because it's not just the women that are affected, but our, our partners as well. Yes, so, marriages can break up. And, and the thing about it is, is the dynamics. What happens is, this is what women are telling me all the time. They'll say, first of all, they'll say, well, first of all, I'm in such pain, I'm not interested. I mean, who would be? Or they may say, I just tell them, come on, hurry up, get it over with, and let him go. And then I don't have to, even if I don't get anything out of it, at least he's satisfied because I want him to be satisfied. And then what will end up happening is that the guy is afraid he's going to hurt the woman, so he's afraid to do anything. Thing. And then she's afraid she's not going to satisfy him, so she's afraid to get it to do anything. So pretty soon you've got a couple who have a good and close relationship who are now being challenged by something that's a very close type of intimacy, and it's been turned into a very scary, painful, and avoidable, or something they want to avoid, and it turns it in, inside out. And that doesn't have to happen. In this Better Sex, Better Intimacy program, I mean, there's a lot, there is a lot to it because it's broken into parts because people don't even understand what is a sexual dysfunction and what isn't, or if they wanted to get a counselor, what would happen in there, or things that they can be doing, or what about if they have cancer or chronic disease? There's so many parts to this, and there's so many people with so many different issues. But for almost every person, what happens is the face gets more wrinkles and the vagina gets smoother. And then <laughs> what happens is that causes a shrinkage in the vaginal tissues. It hurts, yeah. but it doesn't have to. There are so many things that can be done to make it better. And if our listeners would like to know more about your audio program, Better Sex, Better Intimacy, how would they be able to contact you? Where would they find information about that? Uh, if they went to bettersexbetterintimacy.com, they would actually be able to get information on it. It's an audio program that you could download, and it's it's got a lot of great information. I interviewed six of the top sex experts anywhere, and we talk about the things, the unmentionable things, Things, the scary things, the embarrassing things that you know people want to know about. Because the thing is, we know from surveys that not only do patients now, if they don't want to talk about menopause, they definitely don't want to talk about sex. <laughs> and they don't want to tell their doctor, so the doctor can help them. But here's the sad part is we know now that the doctors, a substantial percentage,
percentage of doctors are not that comfortable talking about it. And as a result, you've got two things coming together of an embarrassed person talking to an embarrassed person. That leads to a very unfulfilled interaction. Mm -hmm. And often, I've seen this thousands of times, the women will come in, they've got this thing that they want to tell you, and they don't say a word until the exam is almost over. And then, oh, by the way, there's something I want. Now, there's no time. And so if that happens to you, make a different appointment and come back. And that's the focus. Get it out and let it be discussed. But there are ways, there's a, there's a lot you can do to make it better. Have you have you ever had a woman write her question on a note and pass it to you because she was embarrassed to say the words? Yes, I encourage that, as yeah. a matter of fact. And I that's a that very works. good point that you're making. You don't have to say a word. Write it down. That does two things. Number one, it makes sure you don't forget it. And the second thing is it makes sure you don't have to even say it. Just put it down there. And that's a perfectly legitimate way to, A, get your answer. But B, to find out if the doctor you're talking to is someone that can, can help you. And and this doesn't matter if they're male or female. This is just across the board. And you, so you need to be able to get your answers. Because if you get the information you need, you're intelligent, you can apply it. But if it's so embarrassing, it's so hard to get that information. And some of it, as I mentioned in the freemenopauseebook.com, you can get that. Uh, some of your questions will be answered at least you'll get an introduction to some of these things with some what-to-dos about them. Oh, that's lovely. And how, you've been specializing in menopause for how many years now? Oh, well, I've been doing uh, reproductive and I started off doing some of the world's first uh, in vitro fertilizations, test tube babies and so forth. And uh, as I say, I used to do sperm to term and now I do womb to tomb. <laughs> so I did, I've been doing menopause now. I've been taking care of menopausal women for 30 years. But what happened is the longer I was in the reproductive field, so many more of my patients wanted to stay on in this window of life that I ended up just deciding that I could have a greater impact, really, because you deal with women throughout a, a window of life as opposed to somebody comes in for a few months or a year or something and then they go out. It's very rewarding and very helpful for people. But, you know, people come in and they go out. But in this, you really have an opportunity to impact the woman because women make 85% of the healthcare decisions in the country, in our country, in the United States, and probably worldwide, women make 85% of the healthcare decisions. And if the women don't have time because they're nurturing their kids and they're nurturing their partners and they're nurturing their parents who are getting older and they're working and they've got their community activities, when do they take care of themselves? And if they do that, like when you go on an airplane, they tell you, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then help those traveling with you. And it has to be that way because if you are not complete, if you're not whole, if you don't feel like you have the feeling of comfort and self-confidence and you feel good about yourself and you clear on yourself to purpose and all those important things, how can you be as optimally effective in the things you want to do, which is help all these other people that you love and care about? So it's important. you. It's not being somebody who is, you know, taking advantage of the situation to do for yourself. Taking care of yourself is your responsibility, not only to yourself, but to your family. It's your responsibility to do that. And so give yourself permission. This is one of the main messages of Menopause Morph is that now is our time to change. Now is our time to be blossom and be the person that nature 
intended us to be and like before our puberty we had these dreams to be a princess and you know save the world and do things and then we got caught up looking after our family and our kids and our husband and our work and and, but now that the hormones have stopped directing us to take care take care of course we still will take care of our family but our dreams are starting to come out again and it's like woo, i can do the things you know and it's like right Many times I say to people, like, there is a grieving sometimes when, you know, when your kids leave the nest, right. there, is, there is a grieving. I, I feel like I'm having it. I'm going through it right now myself because my sons, after the summer, they both be leaving. And it's like, ah, oh, it hasn't even happened yet. And it's breaking my heart. You know? But the, but the time that I would spend taking care of them and doing their laundry and all this stuff, it's like so much more time that I'll have to develop myself. And we exactly. want to, we want to encourage women that now it's like a lot of women say, Oh, all I've got to look forward to is my wrinkles and my old age, my ovaries are shriveling up and I'm I'm not a woman anymore. But actually, you know, they can be more than what they thought was a woman. Yeah. Who you are changes over time. Yeah. It does for men, for women, for children, for adults, for women in menopause. Who we are is a con where life is a continuum. And the thing about it is, is that there is a grieving process. Sure, there is a loss of reproduction. There's a loss of that potential to have children. Women who are in their late 40s or early 50s that haven't gone through menopause, they don't want to have children most of the time, but they like to think, well, if I wanted to, I could. Now that option has been taken away. And so now there's the issue of also the kids grow up. And you say, well, you know, they're really a pain in the neck, actually. And I don't, they're really driving me nuts. But you know, they're so, I love them so much. They're here and they're going to be gone. But you know what? That's part of the process. Our goal as a parent is to teach our kids to be independent. So they, but they don't go away. I mean, I have mine. They go away. They come back. Believe me, they they come, they they circle around. So don't worry. They're not going away so so permanently and so forever. But the point is, is, your comment is so poignant because you now do have the time and you have the wisdom and you have also the means because hopefully as you've gone through, you were much more in position to be able to do things intellectually, emotionally, financially. There's so much opportunity that you can do. And so this is your time. It's your time to not reinvent yourself, but to be back in touch with those unfulfilled intentions, those things that you had in your mind to do and can do and want to do, but just have laid aside. And if you've been struggling trying to do those things and juggle every darn thing there is to do, you're finally going to drop less balls as you do those things. (laughs) So great all around. Exactly. And can you tell us a little bit about your other program, this Menopause Breakthrough Program, which I'm about to start. So I'm hoping that you'll come back on in, in a month or so and we'll talk about my progress through this Menopause Breakthrough Program. Absolutely. You know, the women get so little time with the doctor that it's a shame. You know, it's only about eight minutes in most places at the most that you talk with your doctor. How are you going to ever get to talk about all the important things? So I put together the first online program that's so simple. If you can use a computer and send an email, you can do it. And it has five different modules. The first module is really talking about 
welcome your new body, welcome your new mind. And it's the things we talked about. But also I have in there the concept of the you zone. How do you make time for yourself when you're being drawn on all these different ways? How can you create for yourself a vision of where you want to be? So I created this vision pyramid, a five-step process where you can go from where you are to get those dreams fulfilled. It's very important. And a self-care prescription, which has things in body, mind, and spirit that you can pick from each week that are easy to do, anyone can do, but they nurture you, they fulfill you. In the second module, it talks about the three, the really the emotional anchors that women need, self-esteem, sense of purpose, socialization, having those girlfriends, people that you can count on, and finally, your circle of support. Everybody needs a posse. Everybody needs a group to be part of. The third part goes into those lifestyle issues. The third module is on how do you sleep better? How do you exercise at this point in time? What's the optimum things? How do you lower your stress, which is terrible and it causes so many problems? And what is the nutritional things and exercises to focus on at this point in life? So it gives you guidance on this and actually gives you little paradigms that you can pull out and work with for yourself. The fourth module is the estrogen window. I've discovered that there's a window of time when estrogen will actually lower your risk for dementia, breast cancer, and heart disease. And if you wait too long and miss that window, it increases your risk for those very things. So how can you deal with the brain fog and the vaginal dryness and all that? But when do you do it? And this is all in that module four. And finally, the fifth is thriving beyond menopause. Here's where we get into the better sex and better intimacy. We get into the hot flash story. We get into the bladder things that we were talking about in the initially. And we get into diabetes because diabetes is terrible and it's increasing by the leaps and bounds. And it's going to be one of the biggest causes of loss of life and loss of comfort in this world. And then the second part is the, that's the body part. And then the mind part, we talk about mindset. How do you put your mind on a target and achieve that target? How do you get your mindset for success and happiness and vibrancy? Number two is mindfulness. How do you learn to calm down and get that inner demon into a peaceful place. And finally, dementia, which you talked about, which at 70, at the early age of 70, 14 and a half percent of people are have dementia. And it's going to be worse as time goes on. And that window of time for estrogen and other things to do, it's very important to know. And finally, spirituality, because there's a relationship between your physical and your spiritual health. And we talk about that. And it's there's written parts that you can print. There are parts that you can listen to. There are the videos and every form of learning. So whatever you like, uh, you can get. And if you're interested in it, you can go to menopausebreakthroughactionplan.com and it tells you about it. Menopausebreakthroughactionplan.com. Well, as I said, it, I've already signed up for it. So I'm really looking forward to starting it. And hopefully we'll have you back a month or six weeks from now and talk about it. But I'm so inspired. There's one, before you go, one of the things that really inspired me when I came across your site a couple of years ago was um, I saw you singing. You were playing the guitar and singing to your patients. And mm. as a performer myself, I was, I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about that? How, what do you do with your, your, with your guitar and your songs and how you fit it into your program and how you inspire your patients with it? 
Well, when I speak at, at major events and when I travel around to give lectures and so forth, I find that music is very important because people can remember the words to a song from when they were a little kid and they can't remember where they parked their car. So the brain remembers music in a different way. So I don't sing to patients in an exam. That would not be appropriate. But in a presentation... Uh -huh. I do, I have some of the things that I talk about or sing about. And the reason I do that is because the very thing we spoke about, things are embarrassing, they're uncomfortable, but if you can sing about it, you can talk about it. And if you can talk about it, then you can take action on it. So I try to take those and put them together in a way that will really reflect some of the most important topics that are on women's mind. And it may be things like a, lo like a loss of urine. It may be problems with vaginitis. It may be problems with needing to get a mammogram or, or colon cancer screening. Because as I said, these are uncomfortable things to talk about. With the bladder issues, the average woman waits between five and seven years to tell her doctor about it because she's so embarrassed about it. Now that's a lot of suffering where that leaky problem could be fixed. And instead, the woman is suffering. That's terrible to endure that. So it's a, just a tool for education and for overcoming barriers to learning. Okay. And so, so maybe together we will sing around the world and inspire people to not be embarrassed about menopause <laughs> and all the embarrassing things that come with it. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, it is a time to take action, to realize you have not only the right to do it, but it's your obligation to yourself to do it. And now is the best time to start. There's a lot of tools. I mean, Pauline is giving you her input and wisdom in all of her programs and so forth. And also, I hope that you'll take advantage, at least get the freemenopauseebook.com. That's that will give you some basic information and start making the changes that you can do easily and simply that can improve your life, your vitality, and also lower the flame and make the symptoms tolerable and even sometimes go away. Thank you very much. It's been really wonderful talking with you today. And one point I have to make before we go, what I find is that a lot of family doctors, they don't know anything about menopause. So... Mm -hmm. I think your patients are very lucky that they have you on call. I'm very lucky here in Iceland. I have a really wonderful gynecologist who is easy to talk to and, and funny and, and expresses things. So mm. what advice would you give to women if they are looking for a doctor to talk to about menopause? How should they find a good doctor? Well, you can, of course, talk to your girlfriends because they may have found someone for you and then you can go even have your appointments with them. But... Uh, you should interview the doctor and say, listen, I'm a woman who's not and no longer trying to have a baby, so I don't need to worry about those things. But I'm very interested in taking care of myself in this time of my life. Do you see a lot of patients with these kinds of symptoms? And are you comfortable with the uh, hormone treatments and who should have it and when and what kind and so forth? And try to ask the questions that you want answered in a way that you can do an interview. And if you feel that person is someone you can talk to, 
and someone who is interested in the problems you're experiencing, that's a good place to start. And if they're not, if you go a time or two and it doesn't turn out, you can fire your doctor. You don't have to dislike a person to just say, you know, you're terrific, but you're so busy doing the things that you do for other people's needs. It isn't meeting my needs. And you just simply say, I'm going to try someone else. And you don't have to even tell them. Just make an appointment and keep that conversation open to, until you find the person that can help you. Yeah. What well, a lot of women are telling me that when they go to their family doctor, immediately they start writing up prescriptions for HRT and, and antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And another time we'll talk about this, but I I went through kind of like two menopauses, one in my 40 and one in my later 40s, one mm-hmm. when I was 40. And when I was 40, the doctor just said, oh, antidepressants that and, and sleeping tablets. You know, without testing if I was menopausal or anything, he just said, oh, yes, it's probably menopause, uh, antidepressants, sleeping pills. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and I think that a doctor who really knows his stuff would actually find out more before writing these prescriptions. Well, none of those things are bad treatments. But the thing is, is that it could be that treating menopause per se may help because the sleep and the depression, because it's a whole nother conversation. Yes, we'll do that another time. (laughs) Another time. But let me just say that if you get the right person and and you take your symptoms and put them down in the order that they're distressing you, it should be possible to get help on most of the things that you're dealing with. And I think it's possible, as I mentioned earlier, to have a really happy, healthy, vibrant life with the least amount of symptoms possible or maybe minimal. And menopause does pass. So. It does. It does. That's the thing. I like the last question. What is the average time that menopause exists? Because this is, for me, the biggest question that, that, that I get asked from women is, how long will it last? <laughs> The majority of women pass through the majority of the symptoms in three years. Now, some will go through in a year, and some at 10 years will want to know when in the hell is this going to end. So I can only say that on average, between one and three years, majority of women will pass through the bulk of it. But you're not weird, crazy, or unique if that doesn't happen that way. And so what you want to do is to not let those symptoms go on unattended because you don't know when they start if you're at the one year or the 10 year and beyond. So what you want to do is take those symptoms to someone who can help you and get relief because what you do not have to do is to suffer. Thank you very much. That's a very great thing to end on. And hopefully, uh, as you said, I'm keeping you to your word. We're going to have you on again another time. Be a pleasure. (laughs) Okay, thank you very much. I'm signing off. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Menopause Morph, your time to change. If you've enjoyed the program, be sure to subscribe to the next one and please leave a rating and review on iTunes to help us spread the message about thriving through the menopause. To get a free ebook, more menopausal resources, and to connect with Pauline, please visit www.menopausemorph.com.